0: From WISPolitics in Madison, you're listening to Capital Chats. Hello, everybody. This is Kate Morton with WISPolitics here with a Capital Chats podcast brought to you by Spectrum. Today, I'm here with my colleague, Adam Kellenhofer, to talk about a conversation he had with U.S. Representative Mike Gallagher. So, Adam, how did that conversation go? Hi, Kate. It went well uh, to be short. We talked a lot about issues related to the Chinese Communist Party and China itself because uh, U.S. Representative Gallagher is the chair of the Select Committee on the Chinese Communist Party. So let's just get right into it and hear what he had to say. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a WISPolitics Capital Chance episode brought to you by Spectrum. Today on today's episode, I am joined by U.S. Representative Mike Gallagher. He is a Republican from Alloway that is in the Green Bay area of Wisconsin. So welcome to the show, Congressman Gallagher. Hey, it's great to be back. Uh, it's great to have you on. So um, you are actually going to be in district this week, uh, but I wanted to talk about some of your committee work in Washington. We're on a a recess right now, um, so I'm guessing people are kind of gearing up for committee work in the future while they're, you know, taking vacation time. But um, yeah, what's on the plate or what can you share, I guess, for the uh, select committee on the Chinese Communist Party coming up? Well, actually, tomorrow we're going to be going to Southeast Wisconsin to shine a light on the real consequence
1: of the Chinese Communist Party's economic aggression in the industrial Midwest. This is part of our broader effort to link what's happening in China with the concerns of, you know, everyday Wisconsinites. We're, we're going to go um, to visit uh, a company called and Trailers, um, which was subject of you know Chinese economic warfare from 2017 to 2018. A Chinese government-owned chassis manufacturer, Simic, dumped at least two years' worth of their product into our market, uh, selling Chinese-manufactured equipment to the U.S. for less than the price of the raw materials to produce the same trailer domestically. So think of that. By the time you brought your components to your factory, you've already lost to China's heavily subsidized state-owned enterprise. And this sudden influx of ridiculously cheap trailers shocked the industry and a massive inventory surplus piled up, which decimated the American trailer industry. So Stoughton and other manufacturers basically had two choices. They could cede their market to China or fight back And Stoughton chose to fight. Uh, They and their coalition petitioned the US International Trade Commission to prove that the US chassis industry was unfairly injured by the dumping of Chinese trailers and and they actually got a huge win for the American manufacturing industry uh, when they won the case and since then we've implemented tariffs on imported Chinese trailers Stouton has added a production line in Wisconsin. They've added two new manufacturing facilities in Texas and Mississippi, and in the process, not only saving jobs but creating hundreds of new jobs for the American workers. So, we just thought this was an inspiring example of American grit and determination in the first of, in the face of uh, communist uh, aggression. And we salute Stoughton, and we're looking forward to having a roundtable there with them and some other Midwestern manufacturers
0: tomorrow. All right, very interesting. I guess I should correct myself: not actually in your district, but in Wisconsin. Um, yeah. So uh, I guess this kind of raises the question here. A lot of people have been talking about kind of U.S. economic interest with China, like are companies um, going to pull out of China, pull their manufacturing out of China and bring it back to the United States? And uh, people are kind of concerned that. Uh, if too many American companies or other companies pull out of China, that's going to maybe cause some sort of like economic collapse in China. Are you worried about that economic collapse and what kind of corner that might back uh, China into? I think the bigger risk is that uh I mean, there could be an economic collapse in
1: China at any moment, given their demographic issues, uh, given their mismanagement of their economy, uh, given the lingering effects of their zero COVID policy. So in my opinion, the longer we remain dependent on China, the longer we allow uh, manufacturing to be concentrated in China, the more vulnerable we are to that shock. So it's actually wise economic as well as national security policy to seek to reduce our dependency Over the long term. Now, it's not going to happen overnight. I recognize that. And there's always going to be some economic relationship with China. Um, You know, Wisconsin farmers sell a lot of soybeans to China, for example. But the quicker we reduce our dependency in key areas, I think the less vulnerable we will be to economic shock because it does look like China's entering an economic downturn. And as I alluded to before, the demographic challenges, though most acute in the next decade, are really, really
0: uh, uh, daunting and something that I don't think Xi Jinping is prepared to deal with. All right, so um, I guess I'm I'm kind of curious, you know, is is that economic downturn, the the demographic issues you've been talking about, is that also going to hurt their kind of military? Because we've we have been seeing uh, a good buildup of U.S. presence in that that area, especially you know, in the the South China Seas. So um, is is it going to be, you know? Is is China going to be backed into a corner? I guess here and going to be provoked to some sort of action here, or are we is it going to be like we just don't really have to worry about them because their power is just diminishing?
1: No, we'll have to worry about them. Uh, in fact, I think they're it, we have to worry about them even more. Uh, the more economic and demographic challenges they face, I think the more aggressive Xi Jinping will get on the world stage, in part to distract his domestic populace from his mismanagement of. The economy um, to to your point, they have embarked on the largest sustained peacetime buildup, uh, military buildup since World War II, possibly in, in all of history. Um, they've uh, 15x their nuclear capabilities. Um, they built the largest navy in the world. It's actually more accurate to say they have built the three largest navies in the world. If you factor in their Coast Guard and their maritime militias, uh, both of which would be highly relevant to a potential invasion of Taiwan. So we have entered uh, what I've called the window of maximum danger. The next five years are going to be particularly stressing for us because we also have some big bills that are coming due in terms of our military, our fiscal and our debt issues. And so I actually think the next five years are the most stressing. And I worry that Xi Jinping is going to get more aggressive, particularly as he sees an election in January of 2024 in Taiwan that probably won't go his way in terms of who he'd like to see win. And so that's what we have to be prepared for. All the more reason we need to be moving faster than we are right now to rebuild our own military, to put hard power in Xi Jinping's path so that he doesn't try and test us, that we don't do the same stupid things we did leading up to the Russian invasion of Ukraine and make a similar mistake in terms of pulling out all our hard power. That's the task in front of us, to prevent a war with China, which would be incredibly destructive, far more destructive than a recession in China would be for the global economy and certainly in terms of lives lost. Mm.
0: All right. Um, so you you actually brought up my next point. I want to kind of switch gears here to another part of the world, uh, Eastern Europe, Russia, Ukraine. Um, we just saw, you know, uh, the the former Wagner leader, Perosian, uh probably dead. I guess we haven't really seen a body on that yet, but he was listed on that that manifest of the the 10 um, people who were in the plane crash. Do you think. Um, You know, is there any kind of uh, ally alliance between China and Russia right now that we should be worried about in this Ukrainian theater? Yes, uh, they signed the No Limits Partnership uh, prior to Russia's invasion
1: of Ukraine. Um, It's my view that Putin is Xi's junior partner in a new Cold War that they've launched against the West. Um, The Chinese are providing economic assistance uh, to Russia and in some cases, Ah, uh, lethal assistance. Uh, and that's highly problematic uh, for us. In, in some cases, you can start to think of this as a sort of an authoritarian alliance that also includes countries like Iran that, you know have different interests. Uh, in the case of Russia and China, these are strange bedfellows. Um, they almost fought a war during the uh, the Cold War. Um, but overall, they're united by their opposition to America and our alliance system, and they're seeking to take us down. And so, Uh, That's why I don't think we can separate the problems uh, in Eastern Europe and in Ukraine from the problems we faced in the Indo-Pacific. And I do think it's important that we at least shape the outcome on the ground in Ukraine in a way that improves our position vis-a-vis China or makes China nervous. And to cede Ukraine entirely to Russia would not only be a victory for Russia, but also for China at the same time. So, yes, the No Limits Partnership, I think... Uh, is is deeper and wider than most people gave it credit for when it was first signed. And um, they also have a shared interest or a shared fear of what they term color revolutions. These are sort of internal dissent within their countries. And oftentimes they blame the United States for stoking internal dissent, because, of course, what dictators fear more than anything else, and both Putin and Xi Jinping are dictators, John Kerry doesn't want to you know, say the word dictator. He refused to answer that question. He said he's a major decider, but he is, in fact, a dictator. What they fear more than anything else is their own people um, and their own people are the victims of their totalitarian genocidal regime.
0: So do you is there is there any chance we're going to see some sort of of actual uh, of political you know uh, status collapse in china where the the people of china just are are fed up with this this dictatorship and they sort of launch some sort of revolution that's that's actually successful in china are are you concerned or are thinking about that kind of of hypothesis or hypothetical at all well you know there is there is one person um who has gone up
1: against xi jinping and i think in a meaningful sense uh, one and that was about a year ago when the so-called bridge man went to the Sitong Bridge and he unfurled a banner that said, we don't want COVID tests, we want livelihoods. We were citizens, not slaves. And in so doing, through that act of bravery, he inspired something called the white paper movement. And then we had the biggest protests in China since Tiananmen Square. And though the regime brutally suppressed those protests, uh, Xi Jinping did was forced to reverse his COVID zero Policy. It was a remarkable turnaround. And I think it shows what I said before, which is that the regime fears its own people. Uh, But also there's something inherently brittle and vulnerable about authoritarian regimes when they don't have the consent of the people that they rule over and when there aren't robust feedback loops like we have in a republic like America they tend to make mistakes and then they're just insulated from being able to learn about those mistakes it makes them very vulnerable uh, whether that means that the chinese communist party is destined to collapse at some point i don't know um they actually have far more tools at their disposal than say the soviet union uh did for repression they're trying to succeed where the soviet union failed but over time i think it 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 points us to what is our our relative strength uh, which is uh, that our system and the values it represents are are better uh than the system uh that the sort of techno totalitarian system that the Chinese Communist Party is not only trying to perfect
0: within the borders of China, but increasingly export around the world. All right. Um, that is uh, close to all we have time for, but I do have time for one actual not politics related question, if you're open. Fun for question. It. Let's do this. So I noticed you no longer have an Aaron Rodgers jersey in your office. It's Bart Starr now. Uh I never you- had an
1: Aaron Rodgers jersey to be oh. clear.
0: Uh oh. I've never owned
1: an Aaron Rodgers. Jersey. I listen, I love Aaron Rodgers. I wish Aaron Rodgers no ill will. Uh I mean he gave us a, a ton of good years of football, but I've always had the Bart the Bart Starr jersey. Uh my wife has a like about 3 Interestingly enough, my wife has like three Clay Matthews jerseys. I don't know why she has three, but so it's Bart Starr and Clay Matthews uh, in our house on a game time on Sunday. Very interesting. Some
0: Bart Starr, is definitely a good choice, but. Um,
1: I right. will say also Cherry Starr, his widow, once called me. She saw me doing an interview with this in the background and she called me and she was the sweetest lady ever. And she said, Oh, I saw Bart's jersey. And I just, it was so nice to see it. And I just read a story that she continued Bart Starr's tradition of writing a handwritten note to all the other quarterbacks uh, in the league, including to Aaron Rodgers. So the star family is
0: a class act. They did a ton for Northeast Wisconsin and uh, we always love them here. That's uh that's awesome. It's good to hear. And that is a good place to end our interview. It was a, a pleasure to have you on Congressman Gallagher and I hope you have a good rest of your week. Thank you, sir. Well, Adam, it's been really interesting to see how Representative Gallagher has handled this committee chairmanship, and we'll have to keep a close eye on how these relations between the U.S. and China progress in the coming years. Yes, that's right, Kate. It'll definitely be interesting to track these issues, and if our readers want to track those issues along with us, they can head over to our website at wispolitics.com. They can also sign up for the weekly DC Wrap newsletter where we round up the most important happenings of Wisconsin's congressional delegation of the week. Right now it's August recess, so we're not actually doing that product. But when they're in session, we put it out weekly and it's a free newsletter. But for now, I'm Adam Kelnhofer. I'm Kate Morton. Thanks for tuning in to Wispolitics Capital Chats, brought to you by Spectrum.